This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up, everybody? How's it going, Steeler Nation? Hope you're having a a good bye week. I know I am. This is much needed, not just for the team, but for everybody else as well, finally, uh, you know, maybe a week where we're not so worried about winning or losing, so to speak. I'm your host, Daniel J. Welcome to State of the Steelers, where we ask some of the tough questions out there. And today's question is, is the worst over yet? You know, it, it sure does. I sure do hope so. It feels like the Steelers just went through the worst and it, and it reflects so on the record as the Pittsburgh Steelers fall and they fall hard to the Philadelphia Eagles 35 to 13 and fall to two and six on the year. It's not good, guys. It's not good. You know, there was a little bit of hope there that the Pittsburgh Steelers were still in some sort of contention for a potential playoff run or push. You know, the rest of the teams in the AFC North, you know, I haven't looked the best up to this point you know, or up into the, you know, this week, so to speak. And so you were looking at potentially, you know, maybe the Steelers maybe making a little bit of a comeback here. But they needed to, you know, maybe take care of business. And, and you know, I don't think anybody really thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to go into Philadelphia and, like, take over the game and win tremendously. I think that the hope was to keep the game close and then potentially maybe pull it out at the end. You know, even if the Steelers, you know, that ends up being the case or vice versa, let's just say the Steelers still lose, but keep it close. You know, that gives you and allows you to keep up that hope that the Steelers are moving in the right direction. Was not the case. Was not the case. And, 
you know, it's unfortunate because you see what the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to do a couple of weeks ago against Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, you know, with a depleted, uh, you know, defensive back room and, you know, backups and guys having to step up and that next man mentality having to really take a, you know, big key or role into that victory against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers a couple of weeks ago. And then they go into Miami and, you know, although they get kind of lit up early on, they, they put a lid on that. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense put a lid on the Miami um, Dolphins wide receivers. They left them without a point in the second half. You know, you start thinking that, you know, things are moving forward. And that was almost the title of this show, to be honest with you guys. It was almost two, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Because then the Pittsburgh Steelers go in, you know, Kilo Weatherspoon's back, go into Philadelphia thinking, all right, maybe, you know, perhaps the Steelers can contain the passing game and make, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, beat them, you know, in a different manner or, you know, not think that maybe perhaps that the passing game was going to be their strength and you get lit up, you get lit up. AJ Brown, I think is still scoring touchdowns uh, <laughs> there in, in, uh, in Philadelphia. So Steelers fall two and six, and this is a, uh, not a very familiar place for, for majority of the Steeler fans. I mean, the last time this happened was in 2013. And so it's been almost a decade since the last time the Steelers were, you know, started off this poor. But, you know, what's what's what really sucks about it is the fact that you, you look at also the company of the, in, in, that the Steelers are in. You know, let's look at the schedule. And let's look at the state of the Steelers while we're at it. Right now, the state of the Steelers are, they're in last place when it comes to uh, the AFC North. <laughs> You're looking at the Ravens um, with five at five and three leading leading the group. The Bengals and the Browns just had a a a, a, a match this past weekend, and and where the Bengals lost to the Browns, you know, had the Steelers won, they they'd still be in some sort of contention there. So the Bengals are four and four in second place. The Browns are three and five, um, and then there's the Steelers at two and six. It's we're in the the bottom in the basement single-handedly by themselves. Now you look at the co- you know you look at the company that the Pittsburgh Steelers are in when it comes to the league. You know the, the Steelers are well let's, let's let's talk about it. There's first is the uh, the Lions at one and six. Yeah, the Texans at one five and one. The Raiders who are two and five, and then you have the two and sixes. That's the Panthers, the Steelers. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, a lot of those teams, you you are accustomed to hearing being in that bottom of the bunch group. The Pittsburgh Steelers aren't one of them. So this is a uh, uncharted territory for most. You know, I was I've been a fan for a very long time pre pre Ben Roethlisberger. So I remember, you know, the 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 harder days or the darker days, even those that time before Ben that led up to the acquisition that ended up being the franchise quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. But right now, you know, you look at what Ben has done over the last you know, 18 years and the Steelers and, and not having a, a losing season. It's uh, right now. It's just some dark times, but, the Steelers maybe potentially are, you know, shine. there's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe, perhaps. I mean, you look at the schedule, 
The last four games, three of them on the road, one at home, which was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No surprise, the only victory out of those three games. You know, going into that gauntlet of games, not very many people were picking the Pittsburgh Steelers to win any of these games. You know, this was going to be a tough stretch of games, especially throwing in a quarterback, you know, against Buffalo Bills, his first game on the road as a starting quarterback is not the easiest of uh, um, schedules to go up against to start off your career. You know, and and I think he flashed. I think Kenny Pickett may, may have regressed a little bit, and we'll talk more about the offense and Matt Cannon and Kenny Pickett in the second half, but um, to this point, you know, you're throwing in a quarterback that he's a rookie guy. He's, he's first year in, in the league, and you're not really expected to win these games. And so, you know, I just think that when you looked at the schedule and you looked at what's to come and what is next, it was always this back half of the schedule that looked the most promising, that it looked like maybe perhaps the Pittsburgh Steelers can do something, maybe make, you know, a couple of moves had they, you know, won some games they weren't supposed to. And unfortunately, you know, the Steelers, you know, gave up some games that they probably could have won, you know, one versus the Jets or also the Patriots. The Dolphins, that, those those are games that all could have easily ended up potentially in victories. You know, it's just a little bit of execution and some growing pains. Now, the schedule is now turning a corner. The Pittsburgh Steelers are, are getting back some players. You know, the, the Steelers' defense got torched by the Philadelphia Eagles, but there was a few players. I'm going to name some few players who weren't playing in that game that are expected to be playing in the next home game against the uh, New Orleans Saints. And you're looking at defense, reigning defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt. I mean, there's no bigger piece than that. You know, well, him alone coming back would be a huge, huge bump up for this defense. But he's bringing some buddies with him. DeMonte Casey, who was also – you know, on um, injured reserve, he is a guy that um, the Steelers were using and utilizing throughout training camp and preseason in a three-safety look that I think the Steelers had intentions of using quite a bit, quite, quite a bit. And so, you know, this is a, a formation and a a mindset and a defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers are wanting to incorporate, whether that's DeMonte Casey playing up close in the box or if that's maybe pushing DeMonte Casey back and moving Terrell Edmonds up into the box, who's a more physical, athletic guy, but a bigger, stronger, athletic, physical dude who, in my opinion, could potentially, you know, solve a solve the Robert Spillane in coverage situations. Nobody likes seeing that out there. You know, I I, I think he's a good linebacker, and I think that he's a bend but don't break type of linebacker. But at the end of the day, when it comes to what offenses are doing and the formations that they're running and the tempo and the speed in which some of these players and, and offenses run, you need a athletic guy out there that can cover, tackle, and um, be physical all at the same time and have some size with them at the same time. And I think that, that Terrell Edmonds, you know, check marks a bunch of those. He can He can cover fairly decent, you know, putting him in, the middle linebacker position 
you know, for Spillane and having DeMonte Casey back out there, you know, uh, doing his thing, looking for interceptions with Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, I think that improves the coverage ability of this team. 100%. So that, you know, he's coming back. You know, Will Jackson the third, the recent, you know, trade for uh, a recent trade uh, that the Pittsburgh Steelers did with the uh, Washington Commanders for basically nothing. A 2025 conditional six round pick for a 2025 conditional seventh or something like that. Um, that's that's just switching places. And so, you know, they're given basically gave Will Jackson to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers highly, highly scouted. We're looking at as uh, getting back in, I believe it was 2018. They ended up with Artie Burns, but. You know, it was no secret that the Steelers were going to be going for Will Jackson. Had the Cincinnati Bengals not traded up in front of the Steelers to 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 you know snab him away, but he's he's finally here. He's finally a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and at a time that the Steelers need a cornerback, and especially with the type of defenses the Pittsburgh Steelers run, they do run a lot of man coverage. Will Jackson is a man coverage corner. And so I think of this guy as being a guy that you can, you know, put man on a guy and and potentially he can lock him down. And so, you know, you look at what um, Witherspoon did against A.J. Brown or didn't do against A.J. Brown, however you want to look at it. He allowed for so many touchdowns and and big yards. He was benched at halftime. Pierre has been struggling with some injuries, whether it's been a foot or a back. It's something's always – you know, I think it's been two injuries that has popped up. And so the Steelers need somebody else out there. Levi Wallace has been shown to be a liability because he's basically he's not the fastest guy. And so, you know, when you look at those things, this is a move the Pittsburgh Steelers needed to make and a move that, you know, bravo, bravo to Omar Khan getting Will Jackson basically for free. And the last guy that I'm going to talk about that was on the defense who – is a starter who wasn't playing that will be back. It's Larry Ogunjobi. That's a big piece up there in the middle in the interior offense of the defensive lineups are. And so, you know, you have, when you look at the Steelers and, and, and the pieces that they're missing defensively, you know, that's, there's, it's a major piece in every position, basically. And you're looking at, at the interior defensive line, you have Larry O out. You're looking at the edge. You have TJ Watt out. You're looking at linebackers. Um, you have maybe not a linebacker per se, but you have DeMonte Casey who could potentially push Terrell Edmonds up into that you know middle linebacker position during dime or, or, or nickel uh, packages when it's an obvious passing down. Get Robert Spillane out. And you're looking at a cornerback in Will Jackson. So this is a defense that had some key pieces out, you know, not saying that with the players that were there that they should have, uh, and this is some excuse for the loss. Of course not. They they played very poorly. What I am saying is that with those pieces there, I expect this defense to play significantly better in the next matchup and the next coming matchups to come. Um. You know, so 
And while we're on trades, we'll, we'll talk about the real quick the Chase Claypool to the Bears trade for a second round pick. Man, that's um, that's some in it. I mean, I think that that's a potential that the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, could get a. Uh, I mean, you know, at the rate that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going, you're looking at the Steelers possibly getting a top ten pick. The Bears also being in that same boat. And so this this could lead with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a lot of holes in a lot of places, um, being able to recuperate some, you know, some pedigree, some draft capital, and some um, some players in the draft to build a foundation, you know, build this team from the foundation. You know, those foundation players are the players that you draft, that you build, that you that you grow. And so right now this team lacks some players in some key spots, mainly maybe a, an offensive tackle, a center, maybe a middle linebacker next year. I think that might be the, the three I would go with for this. But, you know, when you're drafting in the top 40, three of those players, potentially top 40, I mean, you can possibly get some very key players, and this team can be 100% different than what they're looking like this year. Definitely can. So I think this was a good move. I know that there's some, you know, it, it feels like it's a not like maybe a give-up move, but a move to indicate that, yeah, we're going to go into a little bit of a rebuild, but that's where we're at right now. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are in a mode where they need to figure some things out. And offensively, they're just not there. And we'll get more into that in the second half. In fact, don't go anywhere. That's what we'll come back to. We're going to be talking about this offense. We're going to be talking about um, Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett and, and get all into all that stuff. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back. It looks like you made it to the other side. Welcome back to State of the Steelers, where today we're asking, is the worst over? Uh, but before we start, I just want to say thank you to everybody that listens in and tunes in. I truly, truly appreciate it. 
Um, I've been doing this here for a couple months now and, uh, man, I've, I've had so much fun doing this and talking to you guys and talking about Steelers football and giving you guys my opinion. And if you guys have any questions or comments for the show, uh, please hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at state of Steelers. That's my Twitter handle again, state of Steelers. Um, but you know, this show is brought to you on the behind the steel curtain family, a podcast, you know, I, I recommend, and I'm sure if you're listening to me, I'm the newest show on the block pretty much. So, uh, I'm pretty sure you listen to everyone else, but if not, you know, some of the, uh, you know, there's some great content almost, I mean, every single day, every single day on, uh, wherever you find your podcast. So if you're on Apple or if you're on Google or, or wherever, just make sure to, you know, subscribe and, um, and give us a, uh, a five-star rating that helps us out quite a bit. We truly appreciate it. And so let's get back into the show. Let's talk about this offense and let's talk about the woes and 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 what it is that what potentially could go wrong, because gone are the days when everybody thought that putting in a rookie quarterback, we're going to fix all our problems. (laughs) And now we're in a whole bunch of new ones, in my opinion. Um, You know, Bill Cower had some had some comments about the handling of Kenny Pickett, you know, and, and I, I tend to kind of maybe potentially sort of agree with what he's saying. You know, he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, you're transitioning into a new quarterback. Um, right now he's worried about his confidence because he's seen it happen to a couple of quarterbacks where, um, <sighs> Well, let's just read this. Let's let's find it. It says, you're transitioning into a new quarterback, okay? And right now I get worried about his confidence because I've seen this happen to other quarterbacks right now. Quoted from Cower. And Cower went on to say, take the ball out of his hands. Don't ask him to do much as you're asking him to do. I know we have those receivers and everything else. It's not about the receivers. It's about the philosophy on the offense that says, listen, what's the best part of your team? It's going to be the defensive side. That's what gets worn down after a period of time. There's no margin of error there. And and I and I and I get it. I get it. You know, he well, you know what? He he, had, he said also you have some somehow have to shorten the game with this quarterback, and it goes back to the run, run the ball and put him back under center. And so I get I get it. I get what Cow is saying. But one thing that he, he you know the one thing about Cower, what he said is you have to listen to what the best part of your team is. And the best part of your team isn't running Najee Harris right now. I mean, everybody, and, and you know, I don't have to describe it very much, but everybody knows what play you probably know what play I'm bringing up right now before I even say anything or describe it. But the, the, the past to Najee Harris, where there's a, uh, he's wide open and he starts doing the shake and bake. And ends up getting tackled short of the first down. That's not the strength of your team right now. You know, I don't know. You know, I, well, I have put it that potentially Najee Harris was injured. Potentially Najee Harris was um, dealing with something. He was transitioning back in from, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of time in the offseason. He got hurt early on in training camp. Didn't play but one preseason game that, you know, 
potentially had some rust this that, and a third but the thing is we're eight weeks in that that's not shouldn't be an issue anymore he took the plate out of his his shoe and and with all that said that doesn't you know injury or whatever doesn't doesn't explain the dance it doesn't explain the reasoning behind doing that you know as a if i was a quarterback and i saw my 240 plus pound running back in a wide open area with one i believe it was a defensive back one guy to beat and he starts doing that i'm gonna lose a little bit lose some confidence in him as well and then the next play you know i i get it he got it was fourth down he got the first down Najee harris did on, on another pass to him but put in the same situation with with a smaller defensive player and he tries to jump over him. I was so upset. I mean, I was happy that the fact that the Steelers got the first down. Yes, but I was so disappointed at the decision-making that this, this young man is making. He's a big guy. Use your physicality, use your strength, use, use your size to your advantage. It's 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 crazy to say like yo big man run like the little guy Jalen Warren does because he does a lot better job at it than you right now. You know it, it's it's unfortunate, but the stats don't lie either. I mean, you look at you know Jalen Warren was six for fifty yards, eight point three average with a long of nineteen. Najee Harris had more carries at, with eight of them. He had thirty two yards and he had a long of eighteen himself. <laughs> He got, oh gosh, he got half his yards in one carry. It is what it is. But he's not playing good football right now. He really isn't. And the offensive line had no help. The offensive line allowed for six sacks. Now, I don't put it all on the offensive line because pressure and, and, and blocking assignments is a quarterback and an offensive line thing together. You can't have one without the other kind of thing. They talk to each other. They have to be on the same page when they're not, when they don't see the same thing or call the same thing and, or don't slide protection one way or another. then that's when you start seeing some blitzes not p- picked up correctly. And you start seeing your quarterback on the ground. Now, Everybody wants to point the finger at at, at Matt Canada and, and they're hollering and hooting fire Canada. Fire him at the midpoint. I don't think that's the right decision. And I hope I didn't lose everybody when I said that, but you have to think about it, you know, logically, in my opinion. Ask yourself, before the season started, would Mike Tomlin be a coach that would fire a coordinator midseason. I don't think he would. That doesn't sound like something Tomlin would do. Tomlin is a patient man. You know, they don't even fire coordinators between their contract after seasons. Usually they just allow those things to expire and they go on their way. So to go to the extreme of firing a coordinator midseason, it's not going to happen. It won't. Now, let's just play, I guess, devil's advocate and say, let's say they did. What what could that do to Kenny Pickett's development? You know, 
let's just say the Steelers, they're going to probably promote with, from within Mike Sullivan. And let's just say it still doesn't get any better. It gets, let's just say it gets worse, right? And so in the offseason, they're going to want to get somebody else in. That would be three offensive coordinators in a, in a single calendar year. You know, I think I think Baker Mayfield went through that. And just think about what that sounds like. You want to put Kenny Pickett through what the Browns put Baker Mayfield through. Hmm. Not sure if the Browns' way of doing things is a formula that the Pittsburgh Steelers should be following. But let's look at who else has fired offensive coordinators here recently. The Detroit Lions. When was the last time they were relevant? But hey, they fired an offensive coordinator midseason. Let's follow those footsteps. The Indianapolis Colts under Frank Wright. Do you know how many quarterbacks starting for the Indianapolis Colts Frank Wright has gone through? The guy can't make up his mind from anything, any part of this game. And you think with that much turnover and that much inconsistency, you think that's a good formula for success? You think maybe perhaps if he'd stuck with one guy and maybe an offensive coordinator and let them grow together, they'd possibly be a little bit more successful, especially with the talent that they have put together. Hmm. Why don't we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and let's look at the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers were two and six and playing pretty poorly offensively. Everybody was like, what's this dink and dunk stuff? This wide receiver bubble screens. Nobody loved. Who was the coordinator then? Second year, Todd Haley. You know, he ended up he ended up putting up some good offenses afterwards. It was rough. Everybody wanted him can too in the middle of the season. Nobody wanted Todd Haley to finish. Everybody wanted him fired. He was also responsible for some pretty magnificent offense and and yards. I mean, you look at some of the things that Ben Roethlisberger was able to do under his belt. You know, under under Todd Haley's you know command, so to speak. It was. It's not been the same since. In fact, a majority of people will tell you they would. They'd, they'd hope to get Todd Haley back right now. Now, I'm not saying that that Matt Canada is is not at fault. I I I would I would. I'm not a Matt Canada apologist. If Matt Canada got fired after the season because the Pittsburgh Steelers continued to, let's just say it suck then I'm all for it. I'm all for it. You know, if you see a bunch of regression, you still see this team not making any, you know, progression, not moving forward, not moving in the right direction, then, yeah, cut the guy, fire him, let him go, don't extend him, bring in someone else, but do it the right way. Bring bring in somebody who's going to come in and implement their offense, their playbook with the proper amount of time for the uh, for Kenny Pickett and the rest of the offense to to learn and build, you know, at the same time with him or her. And so, with that being said, you know, whoever you do bring in as offensive coordinator next year, 
you're going to have some growing pains there. It's going to be a team that's going to have to learn that uh, that new uh, offense. It would not be, you know, something that's going to be like, all right, hey, you know, snap of a finger. We got, let's just say, Sean Payton. He's a guy that's out there. Oh, now we got Sean Payton. It's it's all right. Snap your fingers. The offense knows everything. They've known everything. And when you listen to Kenny Pickett and he, he talks and he says that they need to study more. Hmm. Do you think putting in a more complicated offense at that point is what's best for this team who's struggling with the basics of a simple playbook like Matt Canada's? You know, he's come out and said it in press conferences himself. He's like, I understand we, you know, these guys are frustrated and we're doing some of the same things. But the thing is, these are basic stuff and they're not getting it. How can you move to more complicated stuff before you get the basics? You know, ask yourself this. If you were if you were struggling with an obstacle. Would the answer make the obstacle tougher? Be would that be the answer? Oh, you know what? I'm struggling with this problem. Let's add to the problem. I don't think so. Now, does Matt Canada need to change up some some things because it appears that maybe potentially he's becoming a little bit predictable? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, there's some things for him to fix and some things that he's, he's responsible for. I mean, I do not want to see Najee Harris running to the outside anymore on a sweep or on a pitch. The guy is not fast enough to do that. That is not his game. That might be what he wants to do. He may say, I want to run on the outside and outrun these guys and jump over people and and shake and bake, but that's not he's not good at it right now. Now I have faith that Nash can turn it around. I really do. You know, you looked at what he was able to do last year. I think that this year, you know, what he was able to do last year with a uh subpar offensive line. I think that he can do better this year. Uh, I think he just kind of went in the wrong way, so to speak. Now you look at what Le'Veon Bell did in his second year, and you look at what James Conner did in his second year. Both those guys lost weight. They got more explosive. They 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 increased their burst. Najee, Najee kind of went the other way. He, he got heavier. Not saying that his heaviness was from um you know, eating too much or getting fat or anything like that, you know, he, he may have overtrained and this and a sign or symptom of that overtraining is probably that list Frank foot injury sprain that he suffered early in, in training camp. And so I anticipate Najee being back and being a, a better, a better running back and, and getting things going in the right direction. I think he started to do things in the right direction in this last game. I think that, well, if you go back and you look at the game, you know, after he leaps over that one uh, Eagles defender for the first down on fourth down, uh, Jalen Warren comes in the game and has some big runs. And then after that is when Najee comes back in and and he goes forward and he plows forward. And that's when he gets his 18-yard gain. My opinion is my opinion. I wasn't in stadium for this or anything, but I, I think somebody, maybe Coach T may have maybe sat him down to the side and told him something about that shake and bake and dance and stuff. And cause it, he looked like a different runner after that. He was going forward. And if the, if he can do that more, he can have that mindset of that physicality. I think the Steelers are going to be all right. You know, 
is you know is the worst over i think so you have a lot of players returning you know the schedule's going to be easier this team it's good to have this by now they get a break not just physically but mentally get to take a few days off come back reset get on the same page you know when kenny pickett says that they need to study more and um you know, one thing that he's been known of or known as is a guy that's that knows the playbook. Going back to Pitt, he was a guy that knew every aspect of the playbook. He was a study dude. He he learned every aspect of it. Always, always in the film rooms, you know, always in the playbook. And perhaps maybe some players need to spend some extra time with him after practice getting into the playbook. And that's what he's meaning when they need to study more. They need to get all on the same page. And maybe perhaps this by week can get some time for some physical and mental rest to to get back together and and maybe get on that same page. You know, there was Arthur Mallette who was talking about players laughing during the last blowout loss on the sideline. And you had, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett calling out somebody needing to study more. You know, I'd asked, you know, before I was like, who do y'all think it was that was laughing and joking? And who do y'all think maybe potentially ain't in the playbook that much? Maybe it's the guy that just got traded to the Bears. Addition by subtraction, plus a couple of pretty good, good picks, in my opinion, could be what we just saw. You know, who knows? I think I think we need to exercise patience and that goes across the board from Matt Canada to Kenny Pickett to, to everybody at this point right now, because offensively, this is a young team guys, a young team that are still trying to find their captain, still trying to find their leader. And, you know, you you have an offensive line that's new to each other. For the most part, you have a rookie quarterback you have an undrafted running back that's doing better than your first round running back. That's still in the second year as well. Your tight end is in his second year, your receiver that, you know, everybody's number one is George Pickens and that guy's a rookie. So this is a very young team to, to think that the Steelers weren't going to have growing pains is would be ludicrous. But I think, the, the worst is over. I think the Steelers have seen their rock bottom. And I think it's time for the Steelers to start making that climb up. And I think they can. I don't think that's going to, I don't know if that can result in a playoff run or an AFC North win. I, they may have dug themselves a little bit too far deep. But I think they can get themselves back into respectability and, and show, show the world that these guys are, are not these bottom basement teams that they're in the company of right now, like the Lions, Panthers, etc. So that's all I got for you guys today. Uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Today's a great day for me. Um, I haven't said this yet in, on here, but me and the wife are expecting a little baby. And today is our, uh, our gender reveal. And so we find out what we have in a day. So it's an exciting day for me. Um, it's an exciting weekend for me and I don't have to worry about the Steelers losing and, and, and ruining it for me. So, um, with that guys, I leave you all with, we'll see you next week. It's going to get better. 
Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Mm-hmm.